Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Merry Christmas, everybody. Welcome to this late night edition of the Pump Fake after NFL Saturday in week 16. Two games to talk about today. Pittsburgh Steelers beating Cincinnati Bengals and then Buffalo Bills prevailing against the Los Angeles Chargers. Both teams keep their playoff hopes alive in the process. Buffalo is obviously much more alive than Pittsburgh's, but talk about both of them. Um... I'll start with Buffalo. Um, you know, I tweeted this afterwards, and I've been saying it for you know the last few weeks. You know, especially after okay, they beat Kansas City, and then they dismantled Dallas, and you know, it just felt like okay, this team is getting going at the right time. You know, you would like to see them hold on to wins, um, which they were, you know in place to to win against you know new england and denver and philadelphia this year but you know maybe this was a much needed kick in the ass that that they needed um and i'm just watching them the past month man like this feels like a super bowl team watching the buffalo bills these last three games this feels like a super bowl team and if they do get there they are one of my favorite Super Bowl teams ever. Simply because of all of the adversity that they have gone through in the past calendar year. And we go back to the OTA situation with Stefan Diggs. You remember that? And how you know, Sean McDermott saying, yeah, he's not here and I'm concerned about it. And everybody's like, all right, what the hell's going on with Stefan Diggs? That doesn't sound good. And then, you know, we get in season and everything. Then week one, everybody hits the panic button after Josh Allen throws three interceptions against the Jets. They lose without the Jets having Aaron Rodgers. And then they build up a series of wins. But, you know, they, they lose games that they should win against New England where they had a, a, a lead late. They lose game uh, the game to Denver that they should have won. And if not for having a 12th guy in the field, they would have. They lose game to Philadelphia where they got far too conservative. and then. In their bye week, the Von Miller situation happens where he gets accused of domestic violence or he has to turn himself in for a warrant involving a domestic dispute. And then the Ty Dunn article comes out about Sean McDermott in the same week. And then you're just sitting there like, okay, this team is six and six. All of this stuff is happening. And the loudest bye week for a team trying to get their shit together and it just felt like, all right, yeah, this it might be wraps if they don't if they don't beat Kansas City, yeah, this thing's probably done. And then they beat the Chiefs. They dismantle Dallas. Just run the ball down their throats. And most people talked about it coming into this week that like, okay, you know, the Chargers interim head coach. Whenever a team has their first game under an interim head coach. 
these things tend to be okay, you know, the interim head coach game. And it was an interim head coach game for the Chargers. They played well. Easton Stick played well. What were his numbers? I'll get them pulled up real quick. 23 of 33, 215. Had a rushing touchdown. Perfectly adequate for a backup quarterback. The defense did as much as they could. I mean, they gave up, uh, you know, a bunch of uh, deep plays to Gabe Davis. By the way, shout out to Gabe Davis for, you know, showing up for his one game a month. Tip of the cap to, I shouldn't pick on Gabe Davis so much. I know I do it a lot. But I saw somebody say, I'm not going to, yeah, I'll say it. I didn't say it, but. I saw somebody say that uh, Gabe Davis is like a period because he only shows up once a month. And it made me laugh because he hadn't had a catch in three of the Bills last four games. And he does this. He shows up twice a year. (laughs) He did it this year against Tampa Bay. And then he did it today against the Chargers where he just goes off randomly throughout the year. And then the next five games, we won't hear from him. Or I guess the next two, considering you know, there's only two two weeks left in the regular season. So good for Gabe Davis. He caught what did he catch? Four passes for a buck thirty and a touchdown. And it was I can't can't really say it was more of the same from last week with the Bills because like Josh Allen only threw the ball 21 times, so we went 15 of 21, 237, touchdown and a pick. They could, they didn't have like a crazy afternoon running, I wouldn't say. They had over 100 yards rushing on 30 carries. James Cook had 70. Leonard Fournette had 20. Josh had 15 and two touchdowns. But they weren't like, you know, it wasn't what it was last week against Dallas. But the fact that they are where they are now, they are 9-6. and six. They play the Patriots next week. If they win that game, odds are they will be a playoff team because you look at um, the fact that the Bengals just lost, and we'll talk about that game here in a minute. It looks like the uh, the Texans might be without C.J. Stroud again. I don't know if that's official yet, but it looks like they could very well be without C.J. Stroud and start Case Keenum for a second straight game. I don't think that this... Like, I think the Colts are eventually going... They're not going to win out, and I can see them going like 9-8. and eight. So if the Bills can get one more win, I think they'll be in. All I got to do next week is beat New England. And then I think their odds of getting in are pretty good. And then if they get in, I don't care what seed they're in, man. I don't want to play them if I'm any AFC team. If I'm the Chiefs, already lost to them. Can't trust my receivers. If I'm Miami, we've talked about it before on this show and several others. Like, if you're Miami, there's a decent chance you got swept by the Bills by the time the playoffs roll around. And. It could be a situation where the Bills and Dolphins are playing in consecutive weeks, depending on how seeding works out with the result of Week 18, where we could see the Bills and Dolphins play in Week 18 in Miami and then turn around and go to Buffalo and play each other in the wild card round. And if you're Miami in that situation, oh, you've already lost to them twice. Cincinnati, if they get, they don't have Burrow, and it looks like they're not going to get in. Baltimore, like, I've seen this movie with the Ravens before. I need to see a different ending before I believe it will end differently. That's not a that's not me trying to like knock anybody in particular. Like Lamar's played really well. The defenses look really good. Justin Matabuke's had a really good season. They've had a lot of guys on that side of the ball step up in terms of guys like Geno Stone, Roquan Smith, uh, Kyle Van Noy. But you know, we've seen this movie with Baltimore before. Saw so in what, 2019. 
where they get in, they have a dominant regular season, then immediately get eliminated. And if the Bills and Ravens played each other today, I would pick Buffalo. So if they get in, all I need to see them do is get in. And if they get in, I think they run the table and get to the Super Bowl. And it's not unprecedented that that happens. Because in 2005, the Steelers did it. They were sitting at 7-5. and five. They got into the playoffs as the AFC's number six seed. And after, start, after a 7-5 and five start, they won out, won three consecutive road games to get to the Super Bowl, and then won the Super Bowl. Green Bay did it a few years later against Pittsburgh, actually. So there's precedent for this happening. And if there's anybody that can do it, it is a Buffalo Bills team whose defense has been really good in recent weeks. They've had their depth really step up. And they've got Josh Allen at quarterback. And as long as you have a defense that's playing well and an elite quarterback, I like your chances. And right now, the Bills have that. And of course, like I said, they will have to go through Miami, whom they've already beat. They will have to go through Kansas City, whom they've already beat. Now, they've beat them the last three times they've faced off in the regular season, and they've lost the last two in the playoffs. That's continued to be their hurdle that they can't quite clear. And if it comes down to it, we're going to find out just you know if this is really their time. Like If they go into Kansas City and win, I'm just you know, tapping out. I think that this is the Bills' year. But if they get to the Super Bowl, man, and if they win it, they are one of my favorite Super Bowl winners ever, simply because of just everything that they've had to go through this year. Like I already pointed out, the dig stuff and uh, during OTAs, week one, falling apart, everybody pressing the panic button, the constant losses in games that they were winning late, the Ty Dunn article, the Von Miller stuff, all of this in a span of what, seven months from OTAs till now? And if they can overcome all that and still come out on top as Super Bowl champions, I think that's awesome. And they're showing that they can win in multiple ways. Where, you know, okay, the defense stepped up against Kansas City. Offense wasn't great, but, you know, James Cook has become a vital part of this offense and both the receiving and pass game. <laughs> Gabe Davis will have one game a month where he's, he's really valuable. Stephon Diggs hasn't had, like, the last month, Stephon Diggs has been pretty quiet. You know, they caught four passes against Kansas City, I think, for 24 yards. Had a similar stat line against Dallas. Only caught five passes for 29 yards against the Chargers. He's been, he's been relatively quiet these past few weeks. And they've gone 3-0, and and that's promising. Like, the fact that you can be the Buffalo Bills and not need Stephon Diggs to be, you know, judge jury and executioner as a receiver and you can still win games against two of the league's best teams that is good and so buffalo should look at that as a positive and when the playoffs do roll around i would expect to see a lot of stefan Diggs and you know his elite qualities but the fact that they can do it right now and be able to be like okay you know we can lean on james cook instead of having to make stefan Diggs do everything we can lean on you know gabe davis for a game that's good it's a very good thing to have if you're the Buffalo Bills. And if they can come overcome all this, I think it's an awesome story. 
And right now they're playing as well as anybody in the NFL. I think the most dangerous team in the NFL right now. They look great. Los Angeles Rams, by the way, look great too. I know I only said I was going to talk about the Steelers and the Bills, but the Los Angeles Rams, they're basically the NFC's version of the Bills. If I'm anybody in the NFC, I don't want to play the Rams. Matthew Stafford's playing like a top five quarterback. Puka Nakua continues having a fantastic year. Kyron Williams coming out of nowhere and becoming a force offensively. He's missed, what, four games and still the NFL's second leading rusher? That's insane. And so if I'm an NFC team, I don't want to see the Rams. Because right now I think that they could, like, if we get Matthew Stafford going to Detroit in the wild card round, as much as I love the Detroit Lions, I would love to see them host the NFC or host the NFC Championship game or just play in the NFC Championship game. How poetic would it be for Matthew Stafford to go into Detroit, the place that he was in for a decade, couldn't find any sort of success while he was there because they couldn't hire the right coach, they couldn't build the right roster. So many people just wrote him off as a guy that wasn't a winner. I was like, you know, a second, third tier quarterback. And how sweet would it be for him to go in there and win in the playoffs? That would be quite the story. But right now, I think those are the two most dangerous teams in football are the Rams, who are playing great, especially offensively with all that talent that they have. The defensive guys have really stepped. Like we joked about it coming into the year. Like, who the hell are the Rams going to trot out defensively? They've had, you know, Akella Witherspoon that they brought over from Pittsburgh has played really well. Kobe Duran uh, has played really well. Obviously, Aaron Donald. But, like, there was a lot of guys that were like, ah, I don't know really anything about, you know, Christian Rose Boom. And, you know, credit to Sean McVay, Christian, or credit to Raheem Morris and everybody on that staff for getting the absolute best out of these guys. And look, remember, uh, Matthew Stafford missed one game this year against the Packers. And Brett, Ray, Brett Rippin had to start. And the game was still relatively close. And you have to think, oh, man, if the, if Stafford plays that game, they're probably 8-6 and six right now instead of being 7-7. Seven and seven, Or 8-7 and seven now, I guess, after, after their win. They're probably 9-6 and six right now and in a much better spot. But those are your two most dangerous teams in the NFL right now. And if Buffalo gets in, man... I think that they run the table because we talked about last year being like kind of their window and Kansas city just played so much better than all of us expected. You know, we thought this would be their gap year as they try, as they try to find uh, you know, a new receiving threat outside of Travis Kelsey, but it turned out, I think that 2023 is actually kind of their quote unquote gap year where they don't really have a go-to receiver, especially not a downfield threat. Marcus Vada scaling. Isn't that sky Morris and that Kadarius Tony sure as hell isn't that. Rasheed Rice has been nice, but he's their yak guy. He doesn't get targets downfield. He's, you know, catch a screen and take it nine yards. He's, you know, catch a, a four-yard slant and turn it into a 14-yard gain. He's not a deep field. He's not a downfield guy. He's their yak guy. So, like I said, we, we thought that last year was going to be the Chiefs' quote-unquote gap year in terms of them not making it to the Super Bowl or, you know, kind of being an early out in the playoffs, I think this year is going to be that year where, you know, if they draw the three seed and have to face, you know, if it's Miami uh, or if they draw the four seed and have to play Miami or if they play the Bills, um, yeah, I think that this could be a year where we see Kansas City, you know, go out maybe in the wild card, 
the divisional round. But because as good as they are, you know, every team is always going to have, you know, that one year where things just don't go their way. The Colts had it that one year in which they lost to was an eight and eight Chargers team. Because the the Colts was it in the division round or the wild card round? I'm trying to think who would have won the AFC South that year as to why they would play the Chargers in that situation. But regardless, they lost to an inferior Colts team in overtime and got eliminated from the playoffs. Like things just happen sometimes. It's just not your year sometimes. Now, as good as the Chiefs are, they aren't going to be in the AFC title game every year of Mahomes' career. Eventually, there's going to be a time where he goes out earlier than that. It's been an incredible run so far. And if there's any year that it's going to happen where they get eliminated in the wild card or division round, it's going to be this one. And hell, who knows? Maybe they land a T. Higgins in the offseason, or maybe they uh, you know, can draft a guy that uh, turns out to be a legitimate number one. However they do it, I don't think that they are going to make a run similar to last year. And I think this is going to be the year that they go out early, and if it's at the hands of Buffalo, then great. The, she, the Bills can put that feather in their cap. But as of right now, I do think that Buffalo is the team that comes out of the AFC. All right. There was another game tonight. The uh, Pittsburgh Steelers starting their third quarterback of the season, Mason Rudolph, Cincinnati Bengals, coming off of, was it, three straight wins off the uh, the right arm of Jake Browning, that crazy win last week against Minnesota. And then Pittsburgh, who hadn't scored 30 points in a game since they played the Bengals last year, actually. They lost 37-30 in that game, and they got only got 30 because they scored late. It's kind of a garbage-time touchdown, but regardless. Hadn't scored 30 points all season. I think their high this season was 26. It was against the Browns, but their defense had scored more points than their offense. So they hadn't scored a lot of points at all, and then their first two of their first three drives, or their first two drives, end in touchdowns, the first of which their second play of scrimmage, Mason Rudolph hits George Pickens for an 86-yard touchdown. And then the defense uh, forces a takeaway. They get the ball um, in a a short field. And then Najee Harris scores a touchdown. George Pickens gets another touchdown later on, and it's 21-0, 21-3. And Pittsburgh, it was 21-0. And Pittsburgh just piles on. And Mason Rudolph finished the day with the most passing yards of any Steelers quarterback this season, the highest passer rating of any Steelers quarterback this season. And I found out this stat later on, the highest passer rating for a Steelers quarterback in front of fans since 2019 when Mason Rudolph posted this uh, the then highest passer rating uh, in the past four years for a Steelers quarterback. Ben Roethlisberger had a higher one but it was in 2020 when there were no fans in the stands. So Mason Rudolph had statistically the best day for a quarterback in almost four years at home for the Steelers. 290 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, passer rating a 124. For a guy who, if you're not familiar with Mason Rudolph's situation in Pittsburgh, got drafted in the third round in 2017, was kind of expected to maybe be the guy to take over after Ben Roethlisberger retired. It didn't end up that way. People thought that he was going to leave and uh, sign somewhere some free agency after his rookie contract was done. He didn't. He stayed in Pittsburgh to be a third string guy. And then he gets an opportunity to play tonight after, you know, Kenny Pickett's been dealing with an injury. 
Mitch Trubisky didn't play well. And here he is, just playing the game of his life. And keeping the Steelers' very slim playoff hopes still alive. But like I said, they are very slim playoff hopes, but they are nonetheless alive in Pittsburgh. And I think the bigger takeaway from this, though, was how well George Pickens played. Because he caught four passes for 195 yards, two touchdowns. After a week where he was torn down a lot. And, you know, a lot of people were saying, okay, man, they either got to, they got to do something. Mike Tomlin, you know, should probably bench him for his lack of effort. And if you haven't heard about that, by the way, I hope that you've enjoyed the rock you've been under. George Pickens criticized throughout the week for uh, showing lack of effort on a, uh, a run block against the uh, Indianapolis Colts. Then he criticizes the media, calling them out, saying that the people that are crit- criticizing him don't play football. It was just a really not good week for George Pickens. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? In terms of you know bad PR, uh, just a look of it wasn't good, man. So he goes out and has the game of his life and afterwards, Mike Tomlin was asked about it, you know, his performance and what, and he said it was appropriate. And, um, you know, somebody who, you know, covers the Steelers as a Steelers fan, you know, I talked about it a lot this week in terms of George Pickens and what I thought that they should do. And I said, hey, Tomlin should probably bench him for a game. And, you know, we live in a very reactionary world. I know when it comes to content and they're, you know, when stories happen, it's the hottest thing and you got to talk about it. Everybody has to have a take. And I'm, like I said, I, I had my own thoughts about it and we can be a very overreactionary world, myself included. I mean, if you guys follow me, you guys know that I, I went on a rant today because it was uh, reported that Tomlin's probably getting an extension and I just didn't think that's the right thing to do. So like I, as a fan, can get very reactional, overreactional, and emotional. I, I get it. So, you know, forgive me for being a little bit hypocritical here, but also trying to own up to this a little bit. I think sometimes we need to take a step back. And I think we should have done it this past week more than we did when talking about George Pickens and understanding that this is a guy who's 23 years old who's in his second year in the NFL, who came from a place where he was constantly winning and is adjusting to figuring out life in the NFL still. He's still young in the NFL. He's played less than 20 NFL games. I'm sorry, he's played less than 30 NFL games. Whatever the number is, he hasn't been here very long. So for George Pickens, a guy who is in his early 20s, still adjusting to life in the NFL, playing for a team that's struggled largely and has been very mediocre for the past two years. And he knows that he can provide more for his team. You're going to be frustrated. And can we be a little bit critical about the way he went about acknowledging his frustrations? Sure. And I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I know what it's like to be an NFL receiver. I do not. But I do know what it's like to be somebody in your early 20s who just wants shit to work out and being incredibly frustrated when it doesn't. 
And I think that we could have been a little bit more compassionate for a kid who clearly has passion for the game. Clearly, like the fact that he was so upset and frustrated, I mean, that shows that he gives a damn. And people classified it as, you know, selfishness and whatnot. I think to an extent, everybody's a little bit selfish. You know, if you know that you can make a difference in something and you're not given the opportunity to, it's frustrating. And this is a thing that hasn't, it's not new. This has been boiling over no matter who the quarterback was because there's frustrations when Pickett was still in the lineup. They got cranked up to a new level when Trubisky took over. And eventually, man, you know, he just got fed up. And I can understand that being a human being when things constantly don't go your way and you know for a fact that you can do something if you're given a chance to do something and it's not going your way, man, that's frustrating. So I think we all could have been a little bit more compassionate, myself included. Like I said, I said that he should be benched for a game. And does his performance today, you know, kind of make us all take a step back and be like, okay, maybe we were a little bit too critical. Yeah. Like if he didn't ball out, would, would we be having this conversation? Probably not. But I think that in the future, because there will be more instances like this, absolutely. Not just, you know, within the Steelers, but around the league. These are guys who come into their league as guys in their early 20s and adjusting to life in the NFL where every move they make is highly criticized. It's put under a microscope. And if they don't do it exactly the way that some people think that they should, they will be criticized for it. And that, I would imagine, can take a toll on a person. Because we can talk about how, oh, man, they get paid to play a game. They should be able to live with the criticism. At the end of the day, man, these are human beings. And I think too many people forget about that and we only look at them as numbers and names on the back of uniforms. And I think we need to do a better job of remembering the human aspect of this. Again, myself included. Um, happy for George Pickens for balling out when the targets came his way. Happy for Mason Rudolph playing his ass off and what could have been his last opportunity to show that he is a capable NFL quarterback that can be a reliable backup, which by the way, he's consistently done when given an opportunity to do so. So happy for both of those guys and uh, happy for a Steelers team that Steelers fans too, who have just been begging for just a game to watch that felt like it was worth watching. Tonight was the first game that felt like it was worth watching as a Steelers fan. And I don't know how long because the offense has been bad for a long time. Now the quarterback situation hasn't been good coordinator, the coaching staff, everything just hasn't been good. And for the first time in a very long time, this felt like a game worth watching. I think this is the highest point total the Steelers have had since they played the Chargers in 2021 in Los Angeles. They put up 37 that game. They lost 41 to 37. So their 34 point output was higher than any uh, point total they've had this season so far. It was higher than any point total they had last season. 
And by the way, under the direction of Mason Rudolph, 290, two touchdowns, pass rating 124. There's no way that Mike Tomlin should bench him in favor of Kenny Pickett, even if Kenny Pickett's ready to go. When he benched Mitch Trubisky ahead of this game, he, you know, the reason that he gave was because he wasn't seeing the production that he would like and he wasn't seeing points. Well, Mitch Trubisky just gave, or sorry, Mason Rudolph just gave you the best Steelers quarterback performance, statistically speaking, in four years, put up the highest amount of points he scored in two years. There's no way you can pull him. You can't do it. If he starts, if he plays poorly in like the first half against Seattle and you want to turn to pick it, fine. But you cannot start Pickett against Seattle because that would be just a crazy double standard. It'd be one thing if you know Aaron Rodgers in his prime was waiting to come back in. He's like, okay, I'm ready to go. Great job, Mason. But you know, we're going to give it back to Aaron Rodgers now. That's one thing. Kenny Pickett has shown no signs of being a franchise quarterback. And right now, the best quarterback that they have on their roster just played, and he showed that he's the best quarterback on their roster, and he should be given the opportunity to continue showing that this week against Seattle. Because like I said, Steelers' playoff hopes are still very slim. They would need to win out and get some help. But I don't think that this is much of an argument that Mason Rudolph should start next week because he absolutely should. And very happy for him um, for lighting up the scoreboard when given the opportunity. Very happy for a Steelers fan base that has been just begging for a game that was an enjoyment to watch. Happy for George Pickens, too, because after a week that I assume was very mentally draining, um, I'm sure it felt very good for him to go out and basically just be like, I told you, (laughs) and got the job done. Very happy for the Steelers, who are now 8-7, and still fighting for their playoff lives. Buffalo Bills now nine and six, looking to secure a playoff spot. Like I said, if they get one more win, I think they got it all but wrapped up. And it'll be good. I do have a couple comments that I want to address real quick. Uh, Mets Bills, you're the best. Bills Mafia loves you so much. Anti Bills Media, I love Bills Mafia, so I uh, I appreciate that very much. So I got hold on the helmets right here. If you're watching on YouTube, right over my left shoulder, Buffalo Bills mini helmet. Um. Got so much love for Buffalo Bills fans. I think they are the best in sports, not just football, just the best in sports, period. I think they're great. Um, Josh Allen's my favorite player. I don't hide that either. I think he's fantastic. Absolute favorite player to watch. So, yeah, Buffalo Bills uh, fans have kind of adopted me over the past couple of years, and it's very much appreciated. So the uh, the love is very mutual um, from Bills fans and myself. I, I do very much appreciate it. Um, I will end it there, though. I think that's a nice way to end you know this you know quick little podcast to do after the nfl week 16 saturday slate i will be back next week probably tuesday or wednesday to break down everything that goes on this week and then preview week 17 as we get closer to the final two weeks of the nfl regular season um merry christmas everybody um i know if you follow me on twitter i have a tendency to be kind of a sarcastic grump sometimes but i genuinely love christmas and i love this time of year and um, i hope that whatever you celebrate however you celebrate wherever you celebrate you have an amazing holiday with your families understand that you know whatever's going on um you know 
life is just a one-time thing. And um, we should take advantage of times like these to really enjoy those moments with people that we care about. So Merry Christmas. I will see you guys next week. And um, I hope you all have a lovely time with your families. Until then, I'm Jarrett Bailey. This is The Pump Fake, and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.